Ladies and gentlemen, haints and tickets, goblins and grogox, put your hands together for the opening episode of the 2016 Ms. Cryptid Contest! Ceremonies provided by that guy whose estate might sue us. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a great year of cryptids lined up for you. Elegant ladies, all of them. Each and every one. A treasure. And atrocious. From poisonous claws. To slobbering jaws. We've got them all here on the 2016 Miscrypted Contest. Contest. <laughs> Low key this time. All right. Okay. We've spanned the globe seeking out the most beautiful, and by beautiful I mean repugnant and terrifying, examples of cryptobiology. Tonight we bring you three mysterious creatures, shrouded in myth, sometimes covered in entrails. From the oil fields of Arkansas to the misty moors of England, and also the sweltering jungles of Indonesia, Masters Dave and David have brought to you some of the finest examples of cryptozoology known and unknown. Tonight your journey begins, or today, or t- tomorrow, or to yesterday. Your, your journey started you, you gotta, right, you right gotta, now. You're on a you're in a go kart and it's on a track. You, the seatbelt barely works and that helmet smells funny. But you, do they rules are rules? Please stop standing on the gas pedal. It doesn't make it go faster. They top out at like 15 miles per hour. Seriously, you can't will it to it go faster. Crush so. your hands if you let them outside, Mister Flora, Mister Stecco. I think it's time to meet the first lovely lady of the evening. For week one, we have the Athole also known as the Ahul, from Java in Indonesia. From Cornwall, England, the Owl Man. Who? <laughs> the Owl Man. Oh. And from the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas, the Gowrow. So let's begin week one of the 2016 Miss Cryptid Contest. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, David Flora. I'm your co-host, Dave Stecco. Good evening. We've been hitting the complimentary bar quite heavily, and I think we're finally ready. I've been availing myself of all the free water I can find. Guys, I'm totally hydrated. Hey, welcome to uh, the 2016 Miss Cryptic Contest, yeah, everybody. Yeah, that's right. For reals. Yeah. Enough, this is, en- now enough is for real. Tomfoolery. I'm sick of the pomp. I'm sick of the, the circumstance. Now it's just time for some real serious, deep crypto action. Let us start. Let's let's launch into this. Yeah, let's get into this. And then at the end of it, we'll tell you- We'll get out of it. The rules. Yeah, for how you can participate in this glorious prize-filled process. Prize-filled democracy. Mm-hmm. Now remember, it's a caucus, so get together with all the rest of the people in your area. All the f***ing lunatics. 
all the idiots, everyone and, who, uh, everyone without a day job. <laughs> yeah. And, and your vote won't matter anyway. Oh. Cause it's whoever we pick. Yeah. He's got the money. <laughs> yeah. Flora and I are the super delegates. <laughs> All right, who's kicking this thing off, Larva? Let's, let's start with that asshole. The white. You're trying to tell me that the first contestant is just some asshole from Indonesia? Man, you can keep this Miss Cryptic contest. Thank you, Celebrity Judge Ice-T. Man, it's no problem. Oh, that's right. Uh, this, uh, this first contestant is the Ahul. Sometimes known as. Sometimes known as, I'm guessing it's Atoll, but um, it's, it's spelled... spelled Athole. A-T-H-O-L. Athole. That's right. Man, look at that athole. See, this, I, that's what I'm trying to tell you. The athole's are in the jungle. The, these, uh, this is a large bat-like creature native to the jungles of Java in Indonesia. It's said to have a wingspan of three meters. It's around 12 feet. And have a height of almost one and a half meters. It's four and a half feet tall. While some claim it is a gargantuan bat, Others say it's some kind of flying primate, not necessarily a monkey bat. But maybe. But maybe. Could be monkey bat. Monkey baby. And monkey bat. Bat be. Bat be. Also, could just be an immature bat squatch. Could be. Uh, it has a long snout on a chimp's face. Huh. Has dark eyes, red-skinned wings, claws on its forearms and feet. A long, thick crest of raised hair and is covered in gray fur. Now, Flora, when when did this this flying nightmare show up on the scene? Well, a little while ago. Like 20 minutes ago? We're coming up on the 100th anniversary soon. We're like just past the 90th, dude. Closer to 100 than 50. That is not how numbers work. That's how everything works. <laughs> it was first reported in 1925 when a zoologist named Ernest Bartles was conducting field research regarding the listing of new species of birds in the waterfalls in the mountains of Salak on Java. There's a lot of uh, vo- volcanic activity or old volcanoes and volcanoes fresh and young, too. Well, with the name like Salak, there's also a lot of Vulcan activity <laughs> around there mr salak mountain whilst recording some data something flew over him an apparent bat-like animal unlike anything he'd ever seen uh, later investigations by the cryptozoologist ivan t sanderson included reports on sightings of this creature especially among the natives apparently they already knew the animal and treated it as one more of its fauna just another thing in the woods so wait, you saying it's just another asshole? Just just another asshole running around the woods. Man, I'm never getting tired of this joke. They're said to feed on fish and the occasional human. <laughs> <laughs> One interesting note is that although the descriptions of the animal are very similar, according to witnesses, the proportions are sometimes varied, as some claim that it can measure as much as a grown man while others say its size is much smaller, like a toddler. Flying toddlers are more scary to me than flying grown men. Flying toddlers are athels. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I feel like I mean, giant uh, fruit bats might be in that. Maybe giant bats, maybe. Yeah, at that point, monkeys also jump from tree to tree. It could be sailing overhead and appear to be flying. I, yeah, at, at that point, it's just, how is it not a, a giant bat of some type? You right. know? like. That's a that's a 
pretty largely unexplored area still, isn't it? In yeah, Indonesia? it's tough to get in there, yeah. And and they do find things in those forests that no one thought were there. So um, I, I, I kind of feel like uh, with this one could lean more towards a real thing out there, like just a, yeah. bigger than what we're used to. Like a bat species or like a flying squirrel, but of the uh, raccoon size variety. Flying yeah. pandas. Flying, flying red panda. That would be cool. Yeah. To have a whole new thing as opposed to just, oh, it's just a bigger bat than, than usual. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't need a bigger bat, people. What we need is something new and awesome. <laughs> we, need, we need one of them flying raccoon monkey things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I dig it. I, I, in that part of the world, I, I'll say this. I, I don't doubt that these people all saw something. And. Uh, I think that it's it's kind of a horse race as to what it could be. There are lots of small monkeys. There's orangutans. You know, there's lots of things that can go whipping through the air over someone, and they do have uh, pretty large bats there too. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if they have the the titular giant bats there. I don't know. And and also, you know, we we've run into this a thousand times. It's hard to tell when something's in the air how far it is from you. Yeah, the perspective on it and how big it is and yeah. stuff. The uh, uh, Although I feel like maybe this one gets a little bit because I mean it's jungle, so there's there's got to be a trees all around a lot, so maybe it's a yeah. But if it's you know if it's going over a clearing or something, could be hard to tell the exact size because you're not sure how far it is. In our Thunderbirds episode, we referenced the Ropen, which is um, I think in nearby. It, it's in a uh, an island nearby. I forget if it's Papua New Guinea or or uh, an island down around there, but uh, the locals. We're talking about this uh, creature that more resembled a pterodon yeah. than uh, a bat, but is something that the locals swear, you know, is, is yeah. just another uh, animal of the, of the area. But to us who haven't seen cataloged, scientifically torn it apart, it doesn't uh, currently exist. Right. You know what I mean? So I, you know, that they, they connect the Ahul and all these athols to, uh, roping and, and things in that area i don't know it's just it, it's another thing where natives are like yeah it's here we we everybody knows about it yeah. why don't you know about it yeah but, but you know people say the same thing about angels <laughs> you know i don't know who 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 says the same like, i mean you could you could run into a person that was like oh yeah well there's angels or you know fairies you know things like it, that i'm not saying oh, okay i i'm saying that it's hard to tell if they are describing a a belief held through storytelling I see. or if they're describing something that yeah no i do run into these things sometimes it's hard it's just hard to tell yeah yeah that's my point i got you i thought it was like a regional thing i was like like georgia <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> huh? anyways that ladies and gentlemen is your first contestant it is the apple the apple also known as the ahu uh, up next where, where are you flying us to next dave to jolly old England, I am. Aye. It's time to meet our friend the Owlman. The Owlman, also known as the Cornish Owlman or the Owlman of Monon. This is a human bird man sighted several times recently in the village of Monon, Cornwall, England. Man, I don't know a Cornish accent, so I can't even attempt it. Right. I don't. Sorry, sorry guys. Yeah. We're, it'll just have to be stereotypical English for you. Yeah. Uh, the first sightings of the Owlman, 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 occurred around April 1976 when Don Melling and his daughters, June. Don DeMelling. Don, I was, uh, 
I was out in England with my daughter. We had a June. She was 12 back then. And, uh, Vicky, uh, she was nine years old. This this character comes from the Andy Daly podcast pilot project. Or uh, also, I mean, he's been all like, comedy bang bang. Well, it's, it's Andy so, Daly's character. Yeah, We're stealing a, it. It's a, it's it's a fun great. one. Um, anyway, they were on Easter break. It's so Don DeMelling and his daughters, June and Vicky, 12 and nine were on Easter break. Uh, the girls were walking through the woods when they saw a creature described as like a big man with flapping wings. Like a big man with flapping wings. He was like a big man, daddy, with <laughs> flapping wings, daddy. <laughs> Don took the frightened kids to the police, but declined an interview, opting instead to have them draw the creature separately. The drawings were very similar, and the family cut their break short three days to bugger off back home to Lancashire. <laughs> that's that's funny. He he was like, "Let's go to the police, but don't talk to them." Right. But he also was like, "I want this right. Separate the girls. See if their stories match. Yeah. See if the stories match. I want oh, to see if this is just a jape at want, all expense. I want to see if they're having a laugh, they're having a bit of fun. You're having a laugh, girls. <laughs> You're having a laugh." No, Daddy. Uh, we're not having a laugh, Daddy. 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 <laughs> Later that year, two 14-year-old girls, one Sally Chapman and Barbara Perry, camping in the vicinity of the church, heard a hissing sound and turned to see a figure that looked like an owl as big as a man, and they described it thusly. It was like a big owl with pointed ears. Big as a man. Big as a man it was. The eyes were red and glowing. At first, I thought it was someone dressed up, playing a joke, having a bit of a laugh, having a laugh, trying to scare us. Well, I laughed at it. We had a laugh. We both did. And then it went up in the air. We both screamed. <laughs> when it went up, you could see its feet were like pincers. Classic pincers. Classic. Sorry, everybody. I just, I, I just kept doing that voice. Remember, they were teenagers. Oh, yeah. Uh, a pair, you know those Cornwall girls <laughs> they've got that stare <laughs> that, that Cornish look a paranormal researcher named Tony Shields had them draw their sightings and their drawings were also very similar hmm. a few days later another sighting occurred by another girl saying it has red slanting eyes and a very large mouth Titty. the feathers are silvery grey and so are his body and legs Titty. <laughs> the feet are like a big black Crab's claws. Did he? We were frightened at the time. It was so strange. <laughs> Not something out of a horror film. After the thing went up, there were crackling sounds in the treetops for ages. Our mother, Mummy, thinks that we made it all up just because we read about these things. But it's not true. Did he? We really saw the Birdman, though it could have been someone playing a trick in a very good costume and makeup. But who could rise up like that? If we imagined it, then we both imagined it at the same time. After that, the sightings thinned out. But in 1986, Shields... <laughs> so did the listeners of this episode. Yeah, no sh**. Uh, sightings thinned out, but in 1986, Shields was accused of hoaxing the encounters. What? <clears throat> in 1989, a man going by the name of Gavin and his girlfriend, <laughs> classic hoverhander, claimed to have seen a creature about five feet tall... The legs had high ankles and the feet were large and black with two huge toes on the visible side. The creature was gray with brown and the eyes definitely glowed. Of that, we are quite certain. 
Definitely. Them eyes. Definitely. Eyes were glowing. He's a glower, he was. In 1995, a female tourist from Chicago, Chicago. sent a letter to the local newspaper, the Western Morning News, in, in nearby Truro. It said, Dear Sir, I am a student of marine biology at the Field Museum in Chicago. On a last day of summer vacation in England, last Sunday evening, I had a most unique and frightening experience in a wooded area near the old church at Mon in Cornwall. I experienced what I can only describe as a vision from hell. <laughs> the time was 15 minutes after 9, more or less, and I was about was walking along a narrow track through the trees. I was all fit in my tracks when about 30 meters ahead, that's like uh, you know, 30 yards or so, I saw a monstrous man-bird thing. It was the size of Dicka with a ghastly face, a wide mouth, glowing eyes, and pointed ears. It had huge clawed wings and was covered in feathers of a silver-gray color. The thing had long bird legs which terminated in, blo- in large black claws. It saw me arose, floating, I see in quotes, toward me. I just screamed and turned and ran for my life. The whole experience was totally irrational and dreamlike, like a nightmare. My friends tell me that there is a tradition of a phantom owlman in that district. Now I know why they told me that. I've seen the phantom myself. Please don't publish with my real name and address. This could adversely affect my career. Now I have to rethink my quote-unquote worldview entirely. Yours very sincerely scared, the eyewitness. Tommy Trobiowski. <laughs> also, I'm a girl. <laughs> Linda Trobiowski. Yes. Tammy uh, Trobiowski. I think that's pretty funny. Have you ever heard of someone being a student at the Field Museum? No. And studying marine biology there? Yeah, that none of that makes sense. It's like saying I'm a culinary student at the Louvre. Yeah, I <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like no one you, you don't no one studies there. Do they, they? don't teach classes, do they? Maybe no. in 95. Yeah. Before our time. Amy Trobiowski is uh, casting and knocking a few back, you know, just to take the edge off and then she starts telling tales. <laughs> I believe it. Here's some other uh, odd phenomena. During the spring of 1976, the weather in Cornwall went through extreme shifts between unusual heat and cold snaps. Uh, animals started behaving strangely, and there are reports of packs of dogs and cats and birds terrorizing people. In addition, there was an upsurge in UFO reports around the countryside. It was also suggested that the church may be built on a ley line. Oh. Hey, oh, we did that. Uh, which is a line that passes through, you know, it links ancient sites with mystic energy and Jim Jam, uh, and speculated that the appearance of the Owlman may be a manifestation of earth energy in that place. Woo! So that kind of gets a little uh, Mothman-y. Like, oh. You know, like Harbinge-ish? Yeah. Ish? Yeah. I don't know. Or, as we said, could have been straight up hoax by shields, or it could have been uh, escaped, you know, from... Uh, from the circus, zoo, from zoos or circuses, the circus or train that was passing, or by. secret British landed gentry societies. Yeah, Alman. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. I don't trust Tammy's story. I don't either. Yeah, from that first sentence. 
it's fun to think of it uh, being like a leyline guardian or something. Yeah. But or uh, like like the like how much we love talking about or me talking about rifts. Maybe it's something yeah. coming through the rift. Wonder if there's anything to that weird stuff going on in seventy uh, six. Yeah, um, it sounds like there was just. All, I mean, and who's to say what was the initial thing? Was it that the U the uptick in the uptick in UFO activity was affecting the weather? Other way around, were the shifts creating weird? Uh, climate conditions that made optical effects you know there's i mean like where where what's the what's the cause and what's the effect and what's the arrow of yeah could it have been like um an eagle owl in particular like a just a a big owl that uh maybe maybe he was getting affected by whatever the the weird uh weather stuff was going on that was causing all the the dogs and the cats to run muck you know maybe there's a gigantic Gantor Al that was that was like you know what I want to go to church and I want to scare little girls yeah there it is who? it's just girls that saw it who <laughs> little girls who well that's the almond for you and last certainly not least well you'll determine that <laughs> the gal row gal row this is a creature of Arkansas folklore. <laughs> Wait, is, are we finally getting to an Arkansas folk myth? This is a this is a straight up Arkansas folk myth. We have threatened it forever. That may be more tall tale than cryptid. <gasps> it was a dragon-like animal, twenty feet long, with tusks and a row of small horn spikes down its back. Its tail was long and thin, and ended in a blade-shaped spike. Sweet. It was reported in the Arkansas Gazette on January 31st, 1897. The story went there. Wait, wait, wait. At this point, you got to queue up like some jangly 18. (laughs) Yeah, some piani from like a a saloon bar. Yep. I got some piani in there. Nice. The story went that William Miller, a Little Rock businessman who had been traveling in the Ozarks of Northwest Arkansas, told of a horrible monster known as the Gowrow. Its name came from the noise it made during its nocturnal depredations. Gross. The creature the creature had been slaughtering livestock and pets near Blanco in Searcy County in Calf Creek Township. Miller formed a posse that tracked the gal route to its lair. What a time to be alive when oh, every yeah. problem is solved with a posse. <laughs> That's how you do it. If only, if only we had that these days. I'll bet you, uh, you know... Like, there were certain communities that were like, hey, guys, you know, I get it. When we first moved here, everyone was real excited. But, God, can we, can we, can we lower the number of posses? Well, Dale Hedgens, you know, he's going to call posse the minute he hears something happened. He's just posse crazy. And I'm like, can, can someone talk him out of it? Well, it's his right. <laughs> and everyone hates Dale because he's like, let's get a posse. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I really just want to stay home tonight, Dale. <laughs> Uh, right in the middle of dinner, there's the posse bell going off. <laughs> they formed a posse that tracked the Galrau to its lair, a cave littered with animal skeletons and even some human remains. What? As they waited to ambush the monster, they heard it emerge from a nearby lake, causing the earth to tremble as it made its way toward them. The Galrau perished after several volleys from the posse. Before its death... It ripped up several trees and tore off the leg of one of the posse members. Miller claimed to have sent the body to the Smithsonian Institution, 
but it never arrived at the Washington, D.C. Museum. Now, the Ozark research of folklore collector Vance Rudolph revealed additional details about the Galrau, which he believed had been reported as early as the 1880s. Randolph's sources suggested that the Galrau was a species of creature rather than an individual monstrosity. The young hatched from soft-shelled eggs as large as beer kegs, and the mother carried newly hatched infants in a pouch. Randolph related a story about an encounter with a Galrau by a spelunker exploring Devil's Hole in Boone County. Wait, where? Boone County. Holy shit. So, so this is this is just a, a, a best friend of the wood snoot? It looks like it, especially if the... Uh, I want to know how the hell come there hasn't been a wood snoot in this cryptid yet. <laughs> you answer me that, science man. <laughs> I am not a science man. You're just too busy hating on rich folks is what your problem is. If you're, if you're so true. rich, why don't you buy me Budweiser Select? I don't buy beer for others. That's a terrible policy. Near the village of Self was the entrance to the Devil's Hole Cave on the estate of one E.J. Rhodes. One day after hearing a commotion emanating from the Devil's Hole underground recesses, okay, <laughs> okay technician, Rhodes decided to investigate by lowering himself into its shaft and descending... <laughs> and descending via rope to a ledge 200 feet below the opening. Below this point, the shaft was too narrow to permit further descent. (laughs) So Rhodes failed to satisfy his curiosity, which was probably just as well, when some men lowered a flat iron down to the same level that Rhodes had reached. A loud, angry hissing noise was plainly heard. They heard it again when they repeated the procedure, this time using a large stone attached to the rope. Moreover, when they drew the rope back up, they discovered that the stone was gone. Did they have to, do you, do you think that no one noticed until they actually got the <laughs> rope out of the hole and they're like, <gasps> or do you think they may have suspected prior to that moment? <laughs> the section of the rope holding it had been completely bitten through. Randolph also heard tell of a man. Oh, oh no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to need a little Jerry Clower for this one. Oh, once I see the phrase heard tell. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. I will Clower. go for. Clower power. The classic Clower power. Mississippi comedian, Jerry Clower. Randolph also heard tell of a man who claimed to have captured a gal row by inducing the creature to eat so many dried apples. <laughs> it swelled to a size that prevented its escaping into its burrow. And the gal row's captor was exhibiting his catch to anybody who'd pay a quarter for it. Me and Marcel Ledbetter went up there to see this gal row one time. <laughs> Two <laughs> bits they charged and I happily plunked it down. <laughs> and once this man had a sufficient audience, he'd stagger from behind a curtain with his clothes and rags announcing the gal row had escaped. The gal row had escaped. Woo! Run into the woods. <laughs> flee, flee from the wrath of the gal row. Run for your life! Only the snoot can save you! Galrow's loose! Galrow's loose! Woo! Me and Marcel, we tore on out of there, and we never looked back, and we never got our quarters back. I found solace in the embrace of the wood snoot. Uh, Jerry Clower. It's fun. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> I like the Jerry Clower. Oh! He, he does this, like, coo. <laughs> like, oh! <laughs> Now, most likely, this is uh, Dave just 
newspaper hype. Oh, so bit, of, bit the, of a tall tale. Yeah. Uh, so this does this live in the same uh, ballpark as uh, the the hodag? Then I believe so. Oh. Hodag. Oh. So that is the gal round. Three, uh, three elegant, fang-encrusted, fur-spitting, hell-beast ladies. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to trot out before you mm-hmm. the ugliest puns uh, you've ever seen. Oh, it's the hideous other side to this beautifully polished coin. <laughs> You are really going clower crazy. <laughs> you go first, Laura. Well, sometimes you go out drinking at night. Uh-huh. And you're on the island of Java. Yeah. This this happens sometimes. And you have to stumble home from the pub. Mm-hmm. You just want to be careful you don't try and go down an alley where you could get mugged by one of uh, Java's infamous ahooligans. <laughs> nice. Well, I got one for you. Oh. Um, now, people in Cornwall are, are familiar with the Owl Man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess he's got kind of a fame thing going himself, but it's part of a larger family. The The rest of his uh, family, he's got a lot of siblings, mostly male. Mm-hmm. Um, they formed a band and uh, it was pretty, pretty popular in Cornwall, very popular in the United States, so much so that people didn't even know of his, uh, its British origins. It's the uh, Almen Brothers Band. <laughs> nice. Yeah. They recorded the song, uh, Midnight Flighter. <laughs> not gonna let them catch me, no. Not uh, gonna let them catch the Midnight Flighter. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Lord, I was born an old man. man. Living in the trees and scaring girls the best, best that I, I can. <laughs> We're great. That's a little. That's just a little little taste of puns for you. Also got uh, also got uh, something on the other side of the ballot slip here. Looks like a little slice of listener Because we have so much of it that we're going to shove it into every crevice and crack and corner and crouton. I got one here from the Panthery Panther. Meow. Panthery Panther writes, Hi, the Panthery of Panthers here. Now and such. <laughs> Can't do the whole thing. Uh, caught on to y'all thanks to Cam and Kyle over at Expanded P. Woo! Oh, yeah. Uh, love the oh. chillness. God. What? <laughs> love the chillness and hilarity with which you approach the weirdness. Thank you. Thanks. I'm hooked in catching up on episodes fast. Anyhow, I have something that may be worth at least a segment on the show. Uh, and then he's got a link here to uh, something we've been talking about lately. Uh, we, we touched on it briefly in our last episode. Polybius. Oh, the, uh, the mist, the Portland mystery video game slash. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, we so almost included it with cicada, but then it, it kind of was just enough. We, we touched on it. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much for that. Panther Panther. Oh, and also, you know what else a Panther likes? Puns. Oh, 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 how about a gaunt medieval executioner who specializes in drawing and quartering the dismemberman? Oh, 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 bye, bye, bye. The betentacled specter who will feed you for a price. The vendorman. Yep, yep. And finally, when I was a kid, uh, I had, we had a garden in which we grew a lot of gourds. 
One year, there was a plant that turned purple and grew to a monstrous size. When we went to pick it, we noticed it had sprouted hairs and two large membranous leaves on opposite sides of the plant. We called it the bat squash. Uh. <laughs> Peace, love, and whiskers. Panthery panther. Thanks, panthery panther. Thanks, double P. <laughs> uh, Dave, we've heard from Maddie. Hello, Maddie. She says, hi, Dave and David. Hi. Uh, hi again. <laughs> Long time, first time. She has made the rounds with us in Candy Chat and iTunes and all that good stuff, so we thank you for that. Yes. Uh was wondering, why didn't we bring up the Greek fire on the Legendary Weapons episode? You know what? It is so crazy that you would say that because just today, I literally almost texted you that, uh, that we never touched on Greek fire. Hmm. And I was just thinking about that today, so I enjoy the... the uh, Synchronicity? The synchronicity of that little moment. I think we should uh, get around to doing a Greek fire episode. Uh, well, yeah, I, I don't know if it, maybe not a whole episode, yeah. but you know, not. It's a good point, though. I I'll say I'll say this: I wouldn't put Greek fire into legendary weapons because we know Greek fire existed, and I would put it into like something like along the lines of lost technology. Yeah, well, or, you know, or, it it if it got in that episode, it would have been with like the longbow. The English yeah, Rainbow that's and, true. Um, but yeah, I was just today thinking about where to fit Greek fire in because it is something that's cool that we should go over. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it was a game changer for naval warfare at the time. Yeah. Just pots of oil that, that burned. Burned and burned and burned. Burned on water. Water wouldn't put it out. Water would make it burn hotter. Says, I hate to like say this. Jalapeno. But I <laughs> hate to say this, but I have two really horrendous trashy puns. Bring it! Oh, I love trash puns. Krampus gets along well enough on enslaving naughty children and polishing his goat horns, but what people don't know is that he secretly has a huge sweet tooth. <gasps> his favorite candy in particular is of a traditional Irish variety. What's that? It's called glucose barley narn. <laughs> While most people have already written off the cinematic abomination that is the Pirates of the Caribbean series. Most people don't know that the island that Jack and Elizabeth get stranded on in the first movie is based on a real island further up north in the Atlantic. It was said to be rampant with mutant raccoon and deer and was rumored to house a small army's worth of denizen liquor. It was called Rum Island. (laughs) I like that. That's a good place for a pirate to end up. True enough. Uh, She says, thanks again for the podcast. Thank you, Maddie. Uh, Oh, and there's the postscript. I know I don't have a distinctive enough name or nickname or seniority to warrant a special bit, uh, but if you're feeling particularly generous, could you do a scene with Godzilla and the ladies at Candy Chat? (laughs) (laughs) How would that go? Yeah. And I told him, Tab, I said, listen, I understand what 30% off means, but I feel like if you could just turn this, a 30% could turn, 30% could turn into 50% with just the touch of a button and, well, Danny, will you please turn that darn television down? I'm trying to talk to Tab on the telephone. I'm sorry. I wasn't hearing anything you were saying because there was something screaming in my ear. I am so sorry, Tab. Danny just loves those Girdzillas. What? Girdzillas. I can't hear anything. <laughs> there you go, Mad Madam Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're, we'll, we'll give you whatever you want. <laughs> that's, that's how we work. We we are audio prostitutes. <laughs> wow, put that on the business cards. Already done. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you. Uh, I got one here from, how about our buddy Nathan? Hello, Nathan. He writes, uh, 
Short time listener, first time emailer. Okay. Yeah. We'll take it. Turned it, twisted it. I recently came across your podcast as a result of your being guest on another program. Oh, I wonder which one. I, he doesn't say. Oh, okay. He doesn't say. <laughs> then I really wonder which one. <laughs> oh, I can tell you right now. Unfortunately, I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> I've been interested in paranormal stuff for a long time, as well as legends and other various topics. When I was first introduced to your show, I was like, what the f***? Seriously. <laughs> These guys are annoying. Yep. <laughs> Guilty as charged. However, I am I'm not one to give up, and so I listened to a few more of your shows, and I'm happy to say that Blurry Photos has grown on me like a tumor. <laughs> that was what I added that. I've really come to enjoy the different voices you use. While a lot of the jokes are grown-worthy. Shut up, dude. No, a lot of them are. They're f***ing awesome. Of course they're grown-worthy. <laughs> and I don't, I don't find myself laughing as often as you'd like. Blurry Photos has quickly become one of my favorites. Keep up the great work. P.S. I really enjoyed the dry fuss. I feel like I'm demanding a dry fuss right now. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. I'm Richard Dreyfus here. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Nathan. I feel like 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 I was a like a like I was a girl at a bar and he decided to pick me up by negging me. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> what does that say about me, Flora? You're an audio prostitute. <laughs> I'm an audio prostitute. Thanks, Nathan. We've heard from Justin Thulu. Shoggoth, <laughs> shoggoth. <laughs> Says, hello, Dagon, David, David. <laughs> hello, Justin Thulu. Justin Thulu. Been listening for a while. Could, couldn't ask for a more entertaining hour or so out of a series of dull work, work days. Uh, heavy on the or so anymore, but thank you. St- still picture Baba Yaga making Italian hands. <laughs> and it's nothing get up for and watery cabbage stew have become in jokes in my circle of friends. <laughs> watery cabbage stew. Oh, this is nice. Uh, he says that hearing what we do and how much fun we have doing it has led him to become a co-host for a local gaming podcast in Washington called the Digital and Dice Podcast. Oh, I like gaming podcasts. Yeah, so uh, everybody go check out Justin Thulu on that. Damn right. Says he's still finding his radio voice. He can certainly see why we both have kept at it. It does take a while to, to find your voice. Yeah, uh, that's why. This, I think. Someday we'll find ours. Until then, we'll use all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But do you ever listen to the first episodes and we're just like, we're going to talk about Aleister Crowley? Uh, we don't have a format. We're just going to dive into this. Yeah, here's a bunch of, of of information for you. And boy, I hope we're sure not offending anyone. And then we found Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a f***ing gif of that. That was, that was awesome, Flora. That the tongue and the... Ah. We didn't find Satan. We just found a radio voice. Yeah. But keep at it, Justin Thulu. Yes. Thanks for writing. Uh, I got one here from Wes M. Wes M. Wes M. Writes, uh, actually, he's, he's reloading a pun into the old pun gun that uh, we clearly missed at some point or other in our ignorance. It's rumored that long ago when Genghis Khan was sweeping across Asia, he stopped for a while in the Siberian Valley after a battle where many of his men died. Genghis had his men erect a giant statue of himself that would cast a long shadow across the encampment most of the time. They stayed a while until they could reinforce their numbers and move on. Surprisingly, one of the most prestigious jobs was that of a, uh, was that of a cook. Feeding so many men required them to use a gigantic Japanese-style cooking pan. When they finally moved on, they left the pans there, but many held on to their fond memories of what they wound up, uh, of what they wound up referring to as walking in the, in the shadow of the Valley of Death. 
now. <laughs> he told a, a word picture. That, that was artistry in that motion. That was. <laughs> and uh, he's got one little little after dinner mint here for you. Oh, yeah. There's a rumor that a lot of heart attacks, blood clots, and the like are actually caused by mis- mischievous proteins in your blood called hemoglobins. Oh. That's a good one. I like that a lot. Love the show, and I'm on a crusade to single-handedly push towards Toothildo on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Yes, please. Thanks, Wessum. Thanks, Wessum. Uh, Dave, quick pun from Amy. Hit me. Over at Imger, Spring Hill Jack keeps checking out the pictures of those sweet, sweet kitties. <laughs> and one more here from uh-huh. uh, a big shout-out to Mel Wombat Waters, a.k.a. Oh, John. I uh, just wanted to give uh, John here a shout-out. Gives us a, a show suggestion along the lines of uh, Mel's Hole. Oh, yeah. Art Bell uh, classic uh, loony on there. So thank you for that, uh, Mel Wombat Waters, a.k.a. John. <laughs> That's a long name. Thank all of you. Yes, you guys are the very best. Now, let's let's tell you some important things. Vote for your favorite cryptid each week. Uh, this week, we've got the Athole, the Galrow, and the Owlman. Uh, so uh, vote. Uh, uh, on the website, we've got a, a thing on there. You can vote. You can also vote on Facebook if you're so inclined. You could probably tweet us a vote. Yeah, it's it would be best to vote on on the website, but yeah, we'll, it's easier we'll take it in any. Yeah, form. it's easier for us to tally it that way. Yeah. Um, but please uh, vote for your favorite. Don't forget that every time you submit your vote, you're also entered into the glorious 2016 Ms. Cryptid Contest Supreme Prize Package. Which includes novelty candy, sometimes glassware, definitely your very own Golden Goatman trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably this, a t-shirt. Probably a t-shirt, maybe a little koozie. Oh, man, we got koozies, uh, koozies, uh, uh, uh. make them all go snoozy. Woo! Don't make them go snoozy. No. P- please buy them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it's uh, y- it's not just the cryptids who win in this. It can also be you. <laughs> That's right. You get one vote a week. Yep. Uh, and and it, you don't have to be entered to win. You can vote for fun, but yeah. if you put your email address uh, in there, it will it will enter you for a chance to win this prize pack. You get one vote uh, for each episode, yeah. uh, including the the final. So you get four votes in total if you'd like. Yep, you can really stack the odds in your favor with four of those bad boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a uh, we've got a really good field this year. Yeah. So uh, don't forget to vote for that. Very open field, I feel. Exactly. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is going to be a fun May because we get a little bonus soda uh, every single week with yep. these crazy little cryptid critters. You're, you're gonna, your ears are going to be bleeding from yep. all the bonus soda action. So uh, don't forget, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, five-star reviews on iTunes, write a strongly worded letter of condemnation towards the donate button so that it feels like it was actually struck. Also, uh, if you feel like it, Patreon, you can, you can donate however much you feel like. Yeah. So here's a good example. Uh, the people who donated last month, they get a secret episode of the Chrononauts. How fun is that? So, uh, each month we're going to episode, we'll, we'll record a secret episode for funsy times. Um, for those of, for anybody who feels like donating at the $5 or more level, uh, we've got tons of stuff on there. We worked as hard as we could to fill every single tier of donation yeah. with prizes and high fives and and in, in and tickle tickle work. giblets. <laughs> um, so uh, so check that out. Also check out the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. If you think that you heard three weird things tonight, man, 
there's so many more weird things at the Chicago Podcast Cooperative for you to vote for, but not actually vote for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about I, that? I, I believe that. Yeah. There's always audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. Mm-hmm. Get yourself an audio book. So thank you for joining us for this inaugural evening of the 2016 Ms. Cryptid Contest. I've been your host, Dave Stecco. I've been your co-host, David Flora. Thank you. Thank you. And good evening. And good night. <laughs> and good weirdo. And good God. Great, good grief. Good grief. Good grief.